All right. David's mighty men go to get him a sonic drink. <laughs> During the harvest time, are we all there? Say amen if you're there. And if you're not there, say, I'm going to listen to you, Matt. <laughs> oh, before I, actually, before I get started, let me, I got, I have, I have a big mess up here. Okay. I have a, there's some that's really nice there. There's some notes. J. And I have two other copies. You guys can have one. I have one other copy. You got, you got it. Can you come and grab it though? The mic cable's only so long. So, there you go. All right, and hopefully we'll have other copies of the notes if you guys want them for later. Um, okay, let's read. 2 Samuel 23, we're starting at verse 13, okay? During harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave at Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine, Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would go get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out there before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is not the blood of men who is it not the blood of men who went down and risked their lives, and David would not drink it? So basically he said, This this is not water anymore. This is these guys' blood because they went down and risked their lives to bring me this water. I I am not I cannot drink this. So today I want to talk about, I want to address that moment between thinking, I should and I'm not. Right? So we always have that moment where, man, I should totally fill in the blank. And then shortly after that, usually about a second and a half, we think, no, I better not. I better not. Right? So these guys, they probably, I, I would love to see just how this happened. Like, which one of these guys thought of it? <laughs> Those were the three mighty men. There were, it was the three most mighty men. David had a bunch of mighty men, and these guys were the top-notch three of them. I would love to see who decided, hey, David said he'd like to have a drink from the Bethlehem. What do you say we go down there and get it for him? There's like a whole army over there. And, you know, you could see the other ones thinking, yeah, we should. But then there was never that moment of, Maybe we shouldn't. That moment never came. And I think there's something for us to learn in that, that we, we've got a master. We've got a master how to shut that voice up so that whenever God initiates, we can respond, right? That's, that, that's what obedience is all about. God initiates, we respond. But all the time, whenever he initiates, we find ourselves going, yeah, man, I'm going to totally... I'm going to pray about this later. <laughs> You're going to pray with regret. <laughs> Should have, could have, right? So it's a matter of being a risk taker. I mean, that's what it boils down to, is you've got to be able to take a risk. We all have faith in God. We all have faith in what he says. But our natural self, 
the natural human part of us, I mean, it, it, it's full of doubt. It's full of doubt. And we've got to be able to block out those doubts so that we can operate with faith in, in a moment's notice, right? So we all have risks that we go through, all right? Think of the last time, you know what, I'm going to hold off on this slide for a second. We'll get to it in just a second. So we all have a capacity to take risk. All of us do. All of us have a capacity to take risk. If you've ever played Monopoly, you have a capacity to take risk. <laughs> you do. Think, think about the last time you painted a room in your house. Has anybody ever painted, decided, you know what, I'm going to change the color in here. Right? You're at the store, okay? And you're about to spend $40 on paint, and you've got a piece of color this big. There is no way for you to know if that color is going to look good or not. There's no way to know. And so you dish out your 40 bucks, hoping for the best, right? You get home, and you get everything taped up, and you got all your paint gear on, you know, and you're right there. You're staring at this blank ball, and what do you think? This blank wall, and what do you think? You think, maybe this color isn't so bad after all. (laughs) Maybe I need to hold off here before I slap a bunch of purple up there. But you already spent the 40 bucks, right? And so what do you do? You just throw it up there. You just throw the paint on there and you go at it. You're a risk taker. You are a risk taker. There is no reason for you to think that that crazy purple color is going to look better than the beige you had. But you go after it. And at the end, hopefully it looks better. It doesn't always. Think about the last time you scheduled an outdoor event a month and ahead. Right? How do you know it's not going to rain? Belinda and I went camping last weekend. We had, scheduled a, we had scheduled a date like a month and a half ago, and then, you know, it's coming down to time, and Belinda's saying, it's going to rain, it's going to be cold, it's going to be this. Guys at work are telling me, dude, it's going to rain, it's going to be cold. It's... I'm thinking, dude, I hope it's not. <laughs> but you don't know. You just have to go with it. Taking a risk. Think of the last time, this is for you guys right here. Think of the last time you snuck out without your mom and dad knowing. Uh-oh. <laughs> right, we've all been teenagers. I used to sneak out and go off-roading with my buddy in, the, in his parents' Isuzu Rodeo. <laughs> Dude, we're going down a dirt road at like 60 miles an hour. A dirt road we've never been on before. <laughs> I've been on it like once. We're going like 60 miles an hour in his parents' rodeo. And we come over a hill and the, and the dirt road just tees off into another dirt road. And there's that big dirt bank. And we're like, dude, we like cracked the windshield, busted up the gearbox. Oh, man, we got in so much trouble. No, sneaking out's not a good idea. That's, that's a risk that usually doesn't pay off. <laughs> Think of the last time you purposely left your house without directions, right? Going somewhere new. Maybe I should look this up. No, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I know where it's at. It's in downtown Dallas. (laughs) It's like a maze down there. (laughs) Think of the last time uh, you gunned the car. You slammed the gas to make a yellow light. How many of you guys have done that before? All the good drivers are just shaking their head like, these idiots. (laughs) I do it. I do it all the time. (laughs) I can make this. My redneck comes out. <laughs> Think of the last time you gave constructive criticism to somebody you barely knew. 
That's a risk. You're just trying to be helpful, you know. I'm just, I'm just trying to be helpful. Listen, listen, I know that you like that haircut, but it looks like a wig. Okay. <laughs> That's a risk, right? <laughs> we all have a capacity to take risks. So if you're, you know, we'll get a little bit more into this later, but if you're one of those people who say, well, I'm just not a risk taker. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a conservative. No, you're not. And I can prove it. And we'll get into that later. Risks are everywhere, every day. It is a, you know, it is a risk just to be yourself in a society who wants to tell you who to be. Right? It is a risk to be who God made you to be when the world would love for you to be what it wants you to be. The world's ideas and God's ideas are in disagreement. They're in direct contradiction to each other. And whenever you decide your identity, whenever you decide this is the, this is the person I'm going to be, if you go with what God says, that's not going to sit well with society. And this is why the world has a bad habit of getting comfortable with evil, of getting comfortable with sin. It's happened to the, since the beginning of time. That's just what, that's what you do when you don't know God and you're living out there. You just have a tendency to become comfortable with what's wrong. But a Christian who's on fire has a nature of disrupting that comfort through love. Not through judgment. Judgment pronounces guilt. Love pronounces God. Right? So whenever you decide, I'm going to be a person of God. I'm going to be a child of God. And I'm going to reflect His love. That love will disrupt people. And you will be a disruptive force through love. You're going to shake people up. Because they're going to see the way you love them wholeheartedly, truly. And they're going to think, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't fit with what I understand about the world. And so it's a risk. Because you don't know that they're going to respond well to that. They may look at the way you love them and and think, this person's an idiot. This person is just stupid. I'm not associating with this person. Get away from me. I'm going to have another beer. If you want to come, then don't. They may respond that way. When you love people, there's no, there's no guarantee they're going to respond well. There's no guarantee that they're going to uh, uh, be positive toward you. And then that's when the temptation comes in to be judgmental, but don't do it. Risk-taking is a form of faith. Taking a risk is not just about stepping out of your comfort zone. Everybody say that. When I take a risk... I'm not just stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm stepping out of my shelter. There's a big difference, right? We step out, I mean, we're asked to step out of our comfort zone all the time, but that doesn't put us in danger. When you take a risk, you're putting yourself in danger. That's why it's risky. You're making yourself vulnerable. These men who went and got David's water, his ocean water, because <laughs> they were going to Sonic. <laughs> I would love to do a VeggieTales on that story. <laughs> uh, they put, the, they're put their lives at risk. 
I mean, sure, they're warriors, they're fighters, but there's a whole army down there. They're putting their lives on the line for a drink of water. When you put yourself at risk, there's danger involved. You're leaving your shelter. All right, so let's talk about some of these shelters that we have in our modern-day society. You probably can't read this, but if you can, then I'm impressed by you. Job security, stability, benefits. This is the big one for me right now because I, I feel pushed to be an entrepreneur, to start my own company, but we're just not in a financial position to do it. And, you know, my job that I have has been great for the last three years, but it's time for me to move on from that position. It's time, there's a, there's a natural step that needs to take in my skill set. And I'm kind of at odds with what to do. I, I, we're not, we're just not in a position for me to step out and try to go freelance. But I don't like my job. I'm just going to be honest with you. I kind of wish my boss was here so that I could tell her without having to talk about it right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh so that's something that <clears throat> you know whether the time is now or if the time is later at some point i'm gonna have to take a risk i'm gonna have to make that step out and say you know what i gotta do it enough said job security stability benefits those things are good things all of these shelters that we have listed they're good things they're things that God puts in our lives to shelter us, right? You know, it's not a curse to have a house, <laughs> especially when the rain comes. And these are shelters that God puts in our lives, and they're good things. But sometimes he calls us out of those shelters because he has a greater purpose. And a, a shelter of benefits and job security, that protects you from you know, poverty, from financial strain, from debt. You have uh, some um, personality traits. Maybe you're a timid person. Maybe you're a shy, quiet person. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's the way God made you. And that's a shelter for you. And that, it protects you from social discomfort. It protects you from drama. Sometimes it's a blessing to be a quiet person. You're like, well, I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> it protects you from having to open it up. And sometimes that can be a good thing. A lot of times you need to open up, but you need to open up with somebody you trust. And if you're a shy, quiet person, then that's protecting you from just spilling your beans to anybody. Those are good shelters. But if God calls you out of that because he needs you to deliver a word of knowledge to somebody, you can't stay in that shelter. You've got to be able to step out. You've got to be able to make yourself vulnerable in that moment. How about moderate opinions? Sitting on the fence, whether it's political views. A lot of us just like to say, well, I'm just never going to have to get an argument because I'm just going to agree with both sides. Let's just agree to disagree. And that's a good thing, man. There, that's, a, there's, that's a peacemaker mentality. But on some topics, when God needs you to take a stand, you've got to be able to say, I don't care how much of a moderate I am. I'm putting my foot down here. You know, it may be something like, uh, maybe you're close to somebody at work who trusts you, and they're maybe thinking about an abortion or something. And typically, and especially in a work environment, you don't touch those topics. You just, you just leave it alone. But in that moment, you need to say, 
I don't care how much of a modern I am. I need to talk with this person. I'm the person who's here to help them with this. I am here because God has put me here. They trust me because God has helped them to trust me. I'm the person who's supposed to speak into this situation. And I have to take a stance. What about humor? I love, or shallowness, I love that. You know a lot of the people who really act shallow in this world? They're not. They're not. They're not shallow. They're not stupid. But they put on that shallow facade that, or self-deprecating humor, right? I make fun of myself because they don't want you to get inside, period. They figure if I, if I portray myself as a shallow person, whatever, this person may think I'm shallow, but at least they're not going to try to get in my head. That's a shelter people put up. And it, it protects you from, you know, having to face reality, dealing with tough issues. A lot of times there's something hard going on, and so what do you do? Instead of dealing with it, I'll just make some jokes about it, and we'll move on. In the last, uh, hardened heart, some people hard their heart. A lot of um, war veterans will do this. That'll, they'll put that, they have to. If you're in a war... You gotta put you gotta put a hard heart on. You have to. I mean, you have to to stay alive. And that becomes a shelter for you, that you can have that hard heart that you don't, that you can stay focused on staying alive. But when you come back into a normal society, and in a normal situations, you've got to be able to let down that hard heart, and step out and make yourself vulnerable. People who have a hard heart that protect themselves from having to feel other people's pain. They just don't, they think about, dude, that's a tough situation. If I think about that too much, I'm going to start crying. So you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to harden my heart to that situation because I don't want to feel their pain. They're protecting themselves from heartbreak or they're protecting themselves from being distracted. They're on a, they're on a, a beeline to whatever their goal is and they realize that if they get all soft-hearted with somebody, they may not, they may not be able to accomplish their goal. And so being hard-hearted can be a shelter. But that's one that God calls us out of frequently. He says, I, now I need you to soften your heart for this person. And we have to risk. We have to risk that either we're going to be brokenhearted. We have to risk that we're not going to be able to accomplish our goal. We're going to be distracted. That's a risk. And you have to be able to take that risk. And the last one, and this is the one I really want to focus on for a little bit, intellect, prudence, and wisdom. Those are all good things, right? I like intellect. Right? Prudence is a good thing. Wisdom, of course, right? But that's the thing. Whenever we need to take a risk, we don't need intellect and wisdom. <laughs> we need a little bit of foolishness. When God calls us to do something stupid, we can't tell him that's stupid. <laughs> don't do it. Just do what he says. And so, intellect, it's a... It's a Shelter to the need to take risk. Whenever you protect yourself with intellect and, and prudence, you never have to step out because there's always an excuse not to. You never have to take action because there's always a reason not to. And a lot of times that's a good thing. But a lot of times it's not. All right, I'm going to read a, a quote from uh, Bill Johnson. Right? 
There's two things that make a sermon official at this church. <laughs> and they both start with a B. <laughs> the Bible and Bill. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> a reformation has begun. And if you can read that up there, great. But I'm reading more than what's up there. A reformation has begun. And at the heart of this great move of the Spirit is the total transformation of the people of God as they discover their true identity and purpose. Does that not ring true with us? Is that, it seems like we talk about that every week, is our identity in God, our purpose in God. As people discover their true identity and purpose, great purpose elicits great sacrifice. That means if you're called to do something, you're going to have to give something up. Up until this time, many of our agendas have failed. Our attempts to make the gospel palatable have had a serious effect on the world around us. The world has longed for a message they could experience. Yet many believers have simply tried to make the good news more intellectually appealing. This must stop. The natural mind cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. See 1 Corinthians 2.14. If you're taking notes, that's 1 Corinthians 2.14. The wisdom of God is the foolishness to men. Is foolishness to men. It's time to be willing to appear foolish again. That we might provide the world with a message of power that delivers, transforms, and heals. This is true wisdom. It alone satisfies the cry of the human heart. I love that line. It's, it's time to be willing to appear foolish again. Put your reputation on the line. Everybody thinks you're a smart person. Everybody thinks you're a, a reasonable person. Put your reputation on the line for God. When he asks you to do something that's going to hurt your reputation as a reserved and reasonable person, be obedient to him. Those men put their lives on the line to get water you can certainly put your reputation on the line to be in order to be a minister. Let's be willing to appear foolish again. The Christian church is the most powerful organization on the planet for the purpose of changing people's lives. There is no other group of people on planet Earth that has more ability to just change people's lives than the Christian church. And there's three reasons for that. One, the infinite grace of God. Two, the perfect sacrifice of Christ. And three, the obedient actions, not intellect, of believers. There's a reason why the church has spread to now it covers the entire globe. There's a reason why it touches people's lives every single day in this planet. And it's because people step out and do it. God's work is, is, is guaranteed. His grace is never going to end. What Christ did on the cross is done. It's done. He's finished his part. Now we're up to the plate. And we need to take action. You're not going to get on base without swinging. Unless the pitcher's throwing a bunch of... Bad analogy, bad analogy. (laughs) It is the obedient actions of believers. 
not the intellect. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much you know the Bible. What matters is how much are you willing to get out there and do what God says. Faith requires risk, period. Faith requires risk. You want to be a person of faith? You had better find the risk taker inside of you. If, if you don't believe me, close your eyes, crack open your Bible, and start reading. I guarantee you within a page you'll find a perfect example. Every single Bible hero, every single Bible hero was a risk taker because of their faith. Faith means we don't know what's going to happen. But we invest ourselves as if we do because of what God has said. He said something, we believed it. Dude, we don't know it to be true, not in our natural selves. We only know according to faith, according to hope. And so walking according to that faith is a risk. If God tells me today, Matt, listen, I've I've heard you're whining, so just quit your job already. And he says that to me, then my faith now becomes my risk, right? What if I misheard? What if I only think God said that? What if I'm wrong? Better start praying. Better say, we'll get into that a little bit later too. Faith requires risk because you don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to read another Bill Johnson quote. I'm going to double up on Bill Johnson today. This this book is amazing. My my wife bought this book for me and um, my birthday, so it's been almost a year now, and I'm a quarter of the way through it. That's how dense it is. I read like three pages at a time, and my mind is blown. Okay, once again, there's a lot up there, but I'm going to read more than what's up there. An intellectual gospel is always in danger of creating a God that looks a lot like us, one that is our size. The quest for answers sometimes leads to us rejecting a mystery. The result of mystery is often the result is that mystery is often treated as something intolerable instead of a real treasure. All right, now listen. Living with mystery is the privilege of our walk with Christ. Its importance cannot be overrated. If I understand all that is going on in my Christian life, then I have an inferior Christian life. I'll say that again. If I understand everything about my Christian life, then I have an inferior Christian life. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. That's why Christianity is called the faith. The perfect example of this, and I think he goes on to talk about this, is his son is, is deaf. And we've talked about this in, in, here before, and so you may know. His son is, is like 95% deaf. He needs a hearing aid. And God has promised Bill, blatantly promised him, told him, before the end of your time on earth, your son will be healed. Period. But his son is still deaf. Furthermore, his son prays for other people who are deaf And their ears have been opened. So explain that one to me. That makes no sense at all. 
But that's the way it is. The walk of the Christian life is to walk in the revelation we have in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. That's why it's called a faith. You're going to have to go on not knowing, period. You're going to have to go on not knowing. That's why intellect is so useless. Because it makes you think you know. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) God's like, you don't know me. (laughs) Man, it's true. Think about this, okay? We understand so much about the world around us, right? We understand more about the world around us than we do about God, our maker, okay? So think about how much bigger the universe is than earth. That's how much bigger God is than our understanding, right? So you can understand everything about the world, everything. You could be all-knowing in respect to planet earth and still not even know the tiniest fraction of the universe. You could understand everything about living here and still know nothing about God. That's why intellect is it's a trap because it makes you think you know. And then you reduce God down to what he can, you know, you're defining what he can do in your life. God, this is what you can do in my life. Wow, that's dangerous. Talk about getting a blank check from a millionaire and writing it out for 50 cents. So every Bible hero gave at least one blatant example of their ability to take risks. That is, act on faith. And today we see their obedience, but we forget the risk that was involved with their actions. Right? So we read about Abraham... And how he left his dad. Yeah, there, that's an interesting story. I've been, I was studying that. So Abraham has two brothers, right? One of them gets killed. And so the dad decides, you know what? We're going to move to Canaan. We're going to move to the land of Canaan. And I'm taking Abraham. And I'm taking my nephew Lot. And his mom. And Abraham's wife, Sarah. Not you. Okay. And we're going to Canaan. So they get halfway there, and they stop. And I was trying to do the math to figure out how long they lived, and, and you can't do it. Just, there's just not enough information there to do the math to figure out how long they stayed at halfway. But I did enough math to figure this out. When Abraham up and decided to go the rest of the way, his dad was still alive. He left his dad. He said, you know what? Forget you. God has told me to go, and I'm going. That... Your, your dad is your shelter in those time period. In, in that time period, your dad is your shelter. Everything he owns is your inheritance, right? And you, when you stay with him, this is why the story of the prodigal son is so amazing because the son left, and that was the stupidest thing he could have done. But that's exactly what Abraham did. He left his dad. He stepped out from his shelter. That's a huge risk. And we tend to forget it because we're thinking, well, he was just doing what God said. Oh, it's just obedience. Man, that, was, that obedience was a pretty big risk. And if, go and read. Every single story is like that. Every single story. 
It's all about risk. It's all about take how much of those chips are you willing to push to the middle of the table? You ready to sing it, Kyle? <laughs> I push my chip to the middle of the table. All my chip to the middle of the table. Push my chip to the middle of the table. I'm betting on Christ. <laughs> Silly song, man. We used to sing that like every like once every couple months. Their dad would make us play that song. And we're just up there like, <laughs> why? You know, there's no clever trick um, or intellectual revelation to learning how to take risks. You're not going to teach yourself how to be a risk taker. It's not going to happen. I don't have any sort of program for you to train yourself how to be a risk taker. Bottom line is you got to find the guts. You got to find the guts. When when, when it's time to step out and take that risk, you just got to do it. You got to be a little bit stupid, a little bit crazy. <laughs> but for those of you who will say, I'm just not a risk taker, Pat. <laughs> I'm just, I just don't have the guts. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the trick is to stop believing that lie. If you're one of those people who say, I'm just not a risk taker, I just don't have the guts, then there is a trick for you. And the trick is stop believing that. You ready for the proof? I could just go to the verse that said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But I got something even better than that. Psalm 139, 14, okay? This is one of our favorite verses. I'm sure you guys have all heard this before. I praise you because I am, if you know it, say it, fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So that word fearfully, go to blueletterbible.com and click on the little Hebrew part of it and do a little bit of digging and this is what you'll find. Fearfully. To be fearful, to be dreadful, to be feared. To cause astonishment and awe, be held in awe. To inspire reverence, or godly fear, or awe. So what Ray Lewis does to a rookie quarterback, that's what you are made to do to the devil, the demons, yourself if you need to, your own circumstances. You are fearfully made. So if you're going to tell me, oh, I'm just not a risk taker, the Bible begs to differ. Because he says that he made you fearfully and wonderfully. You're meant to cause intimidation. You always have the upper hand. Always. Because you're a child of God. You say, I'm not a risk taker. Mm -hmm. You are. You're fearsome. I praise you because you made me fearsome. Let's all say that on a count of three, real loud, you know what I mean? One, two, three. I praise you because you made me fearsome. I love Ray Lewis. (laughs) 
That dude's a stud, man. I mean, you've seen the commercial, right? When he's running down the field, he's like, I'm Ray Lewis. Animals like to talk to me. And the bear pops out. <laughs> That's awesome. He made us to be fearsome toward our enemy, not the other way around. So you think the devil's pretty strong, huh? No, he's not stronger than you. He's not. He's just a good liar. That's it. That's all he's got. Like, if you're playing poker against the devil, right, and he's just bluffing, he's like, oh, man. And he's, he's just, he's betting, he's raising the bets and everything, like Jared plays. <laughs> That's right, I just called pastor the devil. <laughs> Yeah, that's how he plays, and, and he intimidates you. But sometimes, every now and then, he's got nothing. And the devil, man, he's even worse. He doesn't even play with cards. Like, if he, if he laid his cards down, I guarantee that all would just be blank white. And he's making you think he's got, like, four aces over there. He's just a good liar. And he's good at faking his intimidation. Because the truth is, he's scared of you. So whenever you're out in public, right, and somebody's acting a fool and you're thinking, you know, I think they may be having an evil spirit on them. And you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to be quiet. (laughs) You know, keep the head down. Don't make eye contact. (laughs) Whatever you do, there is some evil on that person. Don't look at them. It's like Medusa. I will turn to stone. (laughs) Don't think that way. Because what's happening is that evil spirit is, is getting wiggly because it's scared of you. It's like when Jesus walked up to that demon, what happened? It manifested himself because he was scared. I mean, how, I mean it's kind of counterintuitive because what we do when we're scared is we hide. But apparently demons don't think that way. I don't know. I guess they're stupid. To me, if I'm a demon and Jesus Christ walks up, I'm going to behave. I'm just going to, I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> But they like to manifest themselves, right, whenever they get scared. So if you're walking around and and you start seeing some funny business start to happen, don't think you're not in control, but that's the evidence that you are in control. Okay? You caused the disruption. The enemy did not cause the disruption. You caused the enemy to start wiggling because you're a scary person. For some of you, I mean that in more than one way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> We're meant to be fearsome toward our own circumstances. Sometimes it ain't no evil spirit. Sometimes it's just your pocketbook. Am I right? Sometimes it's your own checkbook that's scaring you. Sometimes it's your own bank statement that's scaring you. Don't let it happen. You're meant to be fearsome. If that bank statement had a diaper, it would have peed it by now. (laughs) Y'all can figure that one out later. (laughs) And lastly, you are meant to be fearsome toward your own lack lack of belief. If you're scared of your own lack of belief, don't be. Because you're about to scare your belief into believing. I can make sense of that one too later. (laughs) We'll have to get a transcript for some of these things. All right, let's address a fear of failure. 
Because that's why we don't take risk, right? If success was guaranteed, we'd always take the risk. But if success was guaranteed, it wouldn't really be a risk, would it? No need for faith, right? If you know exactly what's going to happen. It's the fear of failure. That's what gets us. In any situation, the progression from acceptable to exceptional doesn't come without a potential regression from acceptable to horrible. Real progress doesn't come without the risk of failure. And just in case that was all mobbly gook to you guys, I made a little slide to help you. Oh, what happened? Oh, there it is. Here we go. This makes it real simple. Chasing progress equals chance of failure. So as soon as you leave point acceptable, see, there's a fork in the road. And you could go either direction. You could go down to horrible, or you could go where you intended to go, which is up to exceptional. So I have a blank canvas here. And if I ask somebody to make a painting on this canvas, you know what the hardest part of that painting is? The first stroke. Because you're messing up the canvas already. And the canvas is not going to be good until you're done. So the entire time that you're painting, this thing is going to look like junk because it's not done yet. Maybe I should have I made my chart better to where like it was down the whole time until the last second, whoop, up to exceptional. If you try to make progress in any area of your life, it's, go, it's going to be like this painting. There's a, good, there's a good chance that you'll fall short and you'll actually end up taking a step backwards. That painting right there, I should have just used this painting as an example. Look, oh, what a wonderful painting. It's not done. <laughs> There's a big white spot right there. To me, it looks terrible because it's not done. It still looks worse than just a blank canvas would have looked. To me, that canvas right now would look better if I would have just left it blank. Well, I mean, because it's not done, it's incomplete. So if I can finish it, then it'll be, you know, exceptional. It'll be way better than a blank canvas. But from now, it just looks like I'm lazy <laughs> or too busy. That's, that's what I like to go with. You guys like to do that? Oh, man, I'm just so busy. Never mind the fact that on Tuesday, I totally vegged out and watched TV for like four hours. <laughs> oh, I'm just so busy. The office, community, outsource. You watch that show? Sports Center, Eesh. there's so many sports shows, man. So don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of falling short, okay? Because what do you do? Like right now, this is this is I would in my book I'd rule this a failure, right? But what do I have to do to make this a success? Somebody tell me. Finish it. Just keep painting, right? So failure is not an excuse to stop. Rather, it's the other way around. Failure is an excuse to take more risk. Keep going. Contrary to what you would do in a casino. We'll get into wise and foolish risk later. Um, I'm kind of slowing down. Let me hurry up and speed it up so we can all watch the Cowboys. I mean, so that we can all have prayer. 
It may be a hard truth, but risk means there's a chance of failure. We might work up the faith and guts to trust in God and to step out, but that doesn't guarantee success. Wow, how often will you hear that from a pulpit? But it's true. Just because you work up the faith and the guts to step out doesn't mean it's going to happen like you expected it to. Sometimes God's idea of success is not our idea of success. If God tells you to do something, then he will be successful. I can guarantee you that. But I can also guarantee you there's a 50-50 chance of whether what you know what success is. You may think you completely failed. You may think that your risk did not pay off. Sometimes we will fail. If success was guaranteed, it wouldn't be a risk. There wouldn't be a need for faith. Taking a risk requires an honest willingness to fail. But taking a risk requires the determination to continue. All right? Failure doesn't mean there can be no testimony. Say that. Failure doesn't mean there's no testimony. Yeah. Because God is always working. I think I have a slide that. Yeah. God is always working. He's the God who gives us victory. He's also the God who saves us from our defeats. So if there's a failure, there's just an opportunity for him to save you. So don't be afraid of failure. That's, I mean, that's why I'm telling you this. Don't be afraid of failure. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. Whatever you mess up, God can fix. And he's perfectly willing to. He's perfectly willing to. He has grace for you. So if there's a risk that you need to take, take it. Because he'll cover you even if you made the wrong decision. Even if you make the wrong decision, he'll cover you. All right. I'm almost done. And unlike Jared, when I say I'm almost done, I really am. <laughs> I'm just taking a lot of shots at you, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, it is true. You know. <laughs> yeah, no help. No help. Wise and foolish risk. Oh, as uncomfortable as it is, failure can be the greatest test of faith. Right? So if you go out and take a risk and you find success, you know what might end up happening? You might end up boasting about your ability to take a risk. You might end up boasting about your own hard work. But if you go out and take a risk and fail, and God comes in and saves you, your faith is strengthened and he got the glory. Don't be afraid of failure. Sometimes that's even better than success. Even though it's so uncomfortable. Guys, I know. Seriously. I'm, like Jared said, I'm hard on myself. And whenever I sense that I'm failing, oh man, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. But it's in those times God really shows up. In, in the midst of failure. Alright, wise and foolish risks. And this is, seriously, I'm almost done, okay? If he initiates something, if he initiates something, then there's no risk. Period. If he asks you to do something, I don't care what you think the risk may be in your natural mind. If he told you to do it, risk, this whole sermon is just voided. There's no risk. 
When he initiates, there's no risk. So just respond. Just do what he says. The risk comes whenever we, we're not hearing his voice. Whenever we're, our mind is clouded and we're not, really, we're not really sure what he's saying. We're not really sure what's going on. We think maybe this, but we don't really know. That's when the risk comes in. And those are the times when we need to pray. Like Jose said, you better pray. <laughs> those are times we pray. If you're in a situation like that where you need to make a big decision, let's say you need to make a big decision like quitting your job or something. Let's say, not like me, let's say there's some bad stuff going on, right? Like I think Terrence was like in that situation. There's just some bad stuff going on at work. But hey, he's got a family to feed. You know, he's got bills to pay. That's a tough situation. You got to make a decision. Are you going to take the risk? Are you not? And it's hard to hear God in those situations because a lot of times the Spirit of God will say, be patient, just wait. God will say that a lot. Just hold on, man. Just hold on. Just chill. Just put up with it for a little bit longer because I'm going to change things. But sometimes God will say, what are you doing? Get out of there. And so it's hard to tell what God is saying. If that's the situation... You better pray. Don't go making big decisions without being close to God. That's foolish. That's a foolish risk. To to make a big decision without inquiring to the Lord, that's a foolish risk. That's not a godly risk. If you want to make godly risks that may scare the bejeebies out of you, but it's the right godly risk, prayer is always included. Always, you've got to pray. Do not make a decision without praying. The easiest, and if you want to, if you're, if you're just thinking to yourself, oh man, I've I got to make a decision. I have to. I don't have time to pray about this. I don't have time. I should have been in prayer, you know? But I don't know what to do. I haven't been in prayer, and I have to make a decision on this now. Go the safe way. Go the safe way, and then get in touch with God. Okay? Or go the stupid way and trust in his grace. Yeah, you guys thought I was going to give you an easy answer there, didn't I? The bottom line is trust. Whether you're trusting him with your prayer life or you're trusting him with his ability to rescue, you've got to trust God. He's the one that makes these things work out, okay? But I would suggest go the safe way and then pray. Okay, that's my recommendation. That's not always going to be what you need to do. But like I say, don't go do anything risky without getting God involved. God's involvement, and this is the last line on my notes, God's involvement does not mean we'll definitely get what we expect. Just because we have a strong prayer life and we're hearing him clearly, clear as a bell, I know exactly what God is saying. That does not mean you're going to get what you expect. In fact, chances are really slim that you're going to get what you expect. But when you keep God involved, you keep his grace on the front of your mind. Okay, his grace is always there. It's never going to fail. If you, even if you forget about it, it's still there. He still has a safety net there for you. He's still got a shelter above all of your shelters. No matter what shelter you step out of, he's there. Even if you forget about him. But when you keep him involved in your prayer life, 
You keep his grace. You keep his safety net, his shelter on the front of your mind. And that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. His grace can cover a multitude of bad sins, of bad calls. You make a stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid, and then after that you make another stupid decision. He can cover it all. His grace is more than enough. All right, so that is the word for the church. And I I really... I really feel it strongly. Not just in a sense of evangelism, not just in a sense of reaching out and touching people's lives, but in a sense of making big decisions about life, about careers, about relationships, making big decisions about futures. It's kind of a two-headed goal today. I wanted, I wanted you to be able to evangelize better, yeah. Be able to minister to people better. Be able to represent Christ better on an individual basis, yeah. But on the other side, I want you to be able to make the decisions that are troubling you. Because I feel like there's a lot of decisions in our church, in people's lives, that need to be made. And... People just haven't really had the, I guess, guts to step out and do what they need to do in their life. Hey, and I'm one of them. It's not good to be working at a job you're not happy with. That's not good. That's not good. But I've been, I've been scared to make a move. Like that Switchfoot song, Dare You to Move? And I say, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to stay right here, even though I'm not happy. <clears throat> So that moment, let's get back to that moment. If you're a person who always has that, well, maybe I shouldn't moment, every single time God asks you to do, every single time you feel like you need to step out, every single time there's something risky that needs to be done, and you're saying, man, that maybe I shouldn't moment dominates my life. If that's you, I want you to come forward so we can pray for you. And if you're a person, just a second, if you're a person who says, I'm not a risk taker, that's not who I am, that's not, that's not my identity. But I just gave you the Bible verse today that says you're fearfully made, wonderfully made, and that's caused something inside of you. Say, whoa, yeah, that, that's not quite right. I don't feel like I'm fearfully made. Then I want you to come forward as well so we can pray with you. And the last, the last thing, if you have a big decision that's troubling you, that's worrying you, and you need to make a decision, then I want you to come forward so we can pray about it, so we can get the ball rolling in one direction or the other. Okay, so <clears throat> all right, so that's it. If, if, if it's any one of those things, then I want you to come forward.
I'm going to pass the mic off to Jared, and I'll let him run the altar service. He's our pastor. And you guys be blessed. That's good. Good stuff. Amen. That's a good word. Anyone else you need to come on up? I am too. I I couldn't jump off a cliff at Possum Kingdom into the lake. And I've always been a risk taker. And God really has been talking to me for months. Since that happened, he's been talking to me about this exact topic. That's, this is what I wanted to say. When, when Matt was talking, the Lord dropped this in my spirit so strong. He said, when you do things according to the nature of God, then the details and the actions that happen don't matter. So when I make a decision according to his nature, because he's telling me to do something, even if I don't see what I expect, it doesn't matter. I'm doing what he told me to do, and I'm doing it for his nature. I'm not doing it for a result. Sometimes we take risk for a result. Like, I'm doing this to get this. That's what we classify risk. That's not risk. That's calculated. That's, you know it's going to happen. It's like, you know, if you do A, B is going to happen. The Lord wants us to take risk according to his nature. I know you're this way, so I'm, I'm all in. In 1519, a man named Cortez, anyone ever heard the story? He's leaving um, Europe to come to Mexico. And he's got 11 ships. And when he gets to Veracruz, they land on, they hit land there. He gets all the equipment and supplies off the 11 ships and gets his men ready. And while his men are setting up camp, he goes and lights fire to every ship. And they at first were like freaking out. Oh my God, our ships are gone. What's going to happen? And they wanted to run and put the ships out. And then he says, no, I ordered that the ships were burned because we're here to stay. There's no other options. We're here to stay. The Lord wants you to burn all the other options today. No other options. Lord, I'm, I'm, on, I'm betting on you. My trust is in you. The details don't matter because they're going to come out of your nature. You know what I mean? Does that help make sense on the question? Like, I don't make decisions based upon results. I make them based on the nature of God. Lord, you told me that you're faithful and to do this. I'm doing it on your nature. And because your nature can't lie, then the results are going to line up with your nature. And so it's just turning our affections and our, our, our focus off of the actions and the things that happen to him. And when that happens, you can't ever fail. Like Matt said over and over again, you can't fail when you bet on God. You can't fail when you trust in God. And the Lord wants us to know that today. And, and, and he's faithful. And so I want to just pray over everybody. The Lord, I, just, I do want us to be a church that takes risks. I do, and Lord, people here, they're going through different kind of various situations that that concern risk and involve risk. God, we do need to have education. We do need your spirit of wisdom and the mind of Christ to know what to do. But more than anything, we just need to trust your nature and to know who you are. I ask that we would not be concerned with the details as much as we are concerned with doing things that line up with your nature and the way you would do things. God, I ask that as a church, we would be a holy people that move when you move, that speak when you speak, act when you act, that we just literally follow you step for step, where we play Simon Says with you, Lord, where we just are in step with you through obedience. Matt hit it 100%. Obedience is the key to all of it. You initiate, we respond. Lord, I ask that you would help us to just push all our chips in. We're all in. There's no other options here. There's no plan B, plan C. 
You're our one and only option, and we trust in you. And God, I just speak favor. I ask that as people take risk, that they will see amazing benefits because they're attached to heaven. They're now uh, um, in partnership with eternity. And God, I ask that as that begins to happen, that manifestations of favor and blessing would, would prosper, would manifest in their life, and they would prosper in every way, Lord, as their soul prospers. <laughs> And God, for me and for the leadership of the church, there are a lot of things you're dropping in our hearts to take risk on. And to be completely honest, I've been, I've been afraid. I've used the excuses we don't have, we, we can't, we're not ready. And so, Lord, just as, as the leader of the church, I repent. And I say I'm sorry for, for playing it safe. I don't want to be foolish, but I do not want to play it safe. And Amen. You know, Matt hit on it too. He said, the wisdom of this world is foolish to God. And, and it doesn't matter if we think it's foolish or not. If God says to do it, we just do it, right? And, and that just connects us to him. And he wants us to have breakthrough. Amen? <clears throat> we don't do things based on what we, what we have and what we can accomplish. It's all on him. That's all on him, yeah. I wanted to share it mainly because I'm at, but I feel like there's other people in the room also who the Lord's been speaking to you about entrepreneurship and doing things in an entrepreneurial way doesn't mean, like you said, it's the same thing. You don't have all of the answers. You don't know every detail. When Terrence and I went into business, um, we didn't have the world set up like the world tells you, oh, if you're going to start your own business, you should have X amount of dollars in savings first, and then you should do this first, this first, and, you know, this next, and then you go to this, and then you do that, and then you quit your job after these 20 steps, you know, that you take first. I'm not saying that this is for everybody. Some people, the Lord would have you to do it that way, but I'm saying for us, and I, I just feel like I need to share, you know, how the Lord dealt with us. Uh, he told us to step out and that he would meet us at the point of our need. And you know, it hasn't looked the way that we thought it would. It, it has not, not at all. <laughs> it, as a matter of fact, it has felt quite like a roller coaster. There's times that we're way up, and then there's other times that we're so far down that we question ourselves. And every time we're in that pit, every time, and, I, and I'm trying not to get emotional because we're in that place right now, you know, where my husband literally is saying, maybe this is a mistake. Maybe I need to go back to work for someone else. You know what? He's made that decision several times in the pit where he regressed, where he took steps backwards and said, maybe it wasn't God. And he went back and he would get a job. And inevitably he was right back in that same position where he was miserable. And it happened to us three times, three times over. And I'm telling you right now, God has been faithful. He has never left us. He has never forsaken us. Somehow, some way, he's always provided a means. And sometimes it's come through radical changes in our lifestyles. I mean, radical changes. We just had to make a very radical change. Moved, you know, moving from where we live. And, and the crazier thing, Matt, is in the midst of all of that, he has told me to remain at home. So here's nothing, none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. But one of the things that we have discovered is that our success is that he delights in us. He delights in us. I was just reading this in Jeremiah, and I think I sent it out even on 
an email or something, but he delights in us. That's the true measure of success is knowing him and understanding him. We know him as our provider. We know him that he is our shelter. We know him as that. Now, understanding why he's doing all that, well, that's what we're getting along the way. You know what I'm saying? But we do. It's a continual risk-taking. You know, and, and it's, in my, it's in my DNA to be a risk-taker. It is not in my husband's. It's not at all. And, and so I'm constantly pushing for the risk, and he's constantly wanting to play it safe. And, you know, sometimes we need to, you know, play it safe on some ends. But in this area, if you know that that's what God has told you to do, then he will have your back every single time. And, 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 the, and like you said, you hit it on the head. Our biggest fear is not knowing what's on the other side of that. And, and you just express that. And I feel like maybe that's what's going on with you. Every single one of y'all standing up here, I feel like the same underlying issue everywhere is that, God, I don't know what it looks like on the other side. You know, but when you get to a place to where you know that God really is, he's daddy. And maybe your perception of daddy is not a safe one. Maybe that's the issue, that dad is not the safe place. If dad's not the safe place, then you'll get nervous about trusting that he's going to, you know, pick you up after you do fall down off the bike. And I'm not saying this to discourage you, but you will fall. There's going to be times that you fall. But like pastor says all the time, when, when we take the training wheels off and we fall, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It taught you how to balance better. When you pick, get up and you get back on that bike, you're going to learn how to balance a little bit better, you know? And so don't be afraid of what's on the other side. I, I'm telling you as a testimony, he's never let us down. He's never left us. He's never allowed us to get injured, fatally injured when we fall. He, he never has, and he never will. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm speaking to myself too. We're in that place. We're in that low place where the business is, it's like, where is it? The phone is not ringing, God. What, what is happening? You know what he's telling us now? We need to diversify. So there you go, another big risk. You see what I'm saying? But it becomes a pattern in a way. And every time you step out, it gets easier. Every single time that you step out, it'll get easier and easier and easier. And to where it becomes a way of life. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times I'm defined as a bull in a china cabinet. Well, maybe it's because I've stepped out there and I've seen his faithfulness. And I know I can trust, and, and I don't have to know. Listen, you got to release the idea that you're going to have it all figured out first. I think we need to get our, our minds free from that alone, that we're going to have it all figured out. Just let go of that. Let go of having to know. Let go of it and trust that God knows everything. He has your whole entire life planned out from beginning to end. So don't, don't think that you've got to know a, B, C, and D. Just pick up the roadmap and start walking. You know, he's going to do it. He'll be right there. Amen. Good stuff, Matt. Thank you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Faith is not in a result. It's in God. Faith is in God. Have faith in God. Uh, I want to pray for all the people wearing red or purple, or I mean red or pink. Y'all represent like 30% of the room. So if you're wearing red, I don't know why. Little Moses has red on. We got red all over here. This whole family wore red together. Y'all having family pictures today? 
All right, we're going to pray for them. Just stand up, all the people wearing red or something. I don't know why we're praying for you guys, but I don't Just, God, send the fire of God in their life or whatever it is. Lord, we just, you highlighted them for some reason, and it just it caught my attention. And so I always take advantage of those moments. And I ask that you would bless all these people. Um, they have something in common today for some reason that you're wanting to minister to. And I ask that you would do what you want to do in their lives. I ask that you would bring resolution to conflict. Um, I think it has to do with that. I ask you to bring resolution to conflict um, and healing to to uh, its relational. And so I ask that you would do that today and, and pour your favor in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, be blessed. Thank you so much. Have a great, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And be here Sunday. And we start at 1030, and we're just going to go for it. Sunday at 1030, all right? Deuces.